It's a hockey show for you, the best fans in the AHL. Comets Insider on 94.9 K-Rock. Presented by IBEW Local Union 43, by Hobby Hill Farms, and by Pathfinder Bank. It's time to go top shelf at the 72 Tavern and Grill. It's Rain Man and Scoop. Did somebody flag her down with those chicken fingers and fries, the steak fries that just went by, serving you sports at the 72 Tavern and Grill. 94.9 K-Rock and Utica Comets Insider with Rain Man Scoop, Tom Coyne, and Ben Burnell from the Observer Dispatch. Joining us a little bit later, we gave Joe Roberts the night off as a new baby daughter named Nora. And even though he was just on the Trent Cole show, minus Trent Cole because of the AHL All-Star game tonight, he's not coming on the air with us. We're going to give him some time home with that beautiful baby girl. So we had Dave Foote and Razor Ray Biggs filling in over the last few games on the radio. They both did a fantastic job. We're ready to break down a week that saw four losses for the Utica Comets. We, we were hoping maybe they'd scrape a couple away from Belleville, but that did not happen. As it stands right now, let's see, where, do they, where are they? I lost my standings. Who had Third the, place. Who had the standings in front of them? I said on side. They're tied for second in the North Division. With, Aren't uh, they like percentage points behind uh, Rochester, though? Technically, uh, yeah, but it, I mean, it's going to be points at the end of the year anyway. So uh, I always look at points, uh, and so they're tied there with, with Rochester, and they're a couple back of, of Belleville after Four, I believe. Losses. But the problem, the problem here is, is that Rochester has three games in hand. Yeah. Belleville has even a game in hand. Lavelle's got two game, uh, uh, a game in hand um so it's not a comfortable position no and it's always a tight north division and you never know what's going to happen in in that north division it, it always seems like someone's catching another team and it, it it seems like any given night you've got a you've got different teams beating other ones and you're never quite sure what's going to happen so they're on a break until friday against the cleveland monsters brogan rafferty's representing the utica comets reed boucher Audi missed the last eight minutes of the game on saturday against belleville never returned so he decided not to fly out to California. Brogan Rafferty playing tonight. 10 o'clock is the game. It's on the NHL Network and a few other places that you can find it. We'll probably cover that again in a few minutes. He participated in the skills competition, the hardest shot. He had just under 98 miles an hour. I know you guys talked about that. Ben was on the Trent Call show uh, just last hour. You came like, you did the same station. thing we did. He came from our studios right over to the 72 Tavern. You guys, give, you guys give out some awards as well, but you discuss the All-Star Game and Boosh and things like that. But tell us who some of the midseason awards were for the team. Um, we gave uh, Boucher the uh, MVP. I mean, I, I, we, we talked about Justin Bailey, too, kind of in that mix. Yeah. Um, you know, newcomer of the year. We gave it to Cole Lind. Uh, defenseman, I, I think we talked about a, a few different guys, but, you know, Brogan Rafferty's up there. Uh, Guillaume Breeze was up there. Uh, I think Joe mentioned Jalen Chatfield. Uh, I gave an honorable mention to Ulevi. I think Ashton Sautner deserves a lot of recognition, too. He's a guy that, you know, plays hard and I don't think gets a lot of recognition sometimes. Um, it's completely got better and better and better. Finally and better got a goal. Every year. Yeah, he got his first goal of the season, too. Yeah. yeah, that was one of the few positives in four losses. Some of the other guys you might consider for some awards, Tom. Uh, well... You know, I'll tell you one guy you know, I'd give an award to just for staying here is is Bachman, for heaven's sake. You know, there's a guy who's been, uh, you know, has played at, at, at much better levels uh, and has kind of accepted this role that he has as mentor. Uh, and God bless him for that. And, and there have been a couple of times where, you know, uh, in a pinch, 
you at least had some comfort that you would have a guy like like Bachman in there. Um, I, I think for the sake of perseverance, although having watched him over the last couple of games and watching his face while he's on the ice, um, you have to give some level of recognition to Sven Berchi, uh, who also is in somewhat of a comparable situation um, as Bachman, although I think with Box, it's pretty clear it's a mentor job. With Berchi, it's kind of... It's kind of a place you know, setting right now. You know, hopefully at some point somewhere along the line, somebody will find a, a role for this kid because I think that he's much better than what he has shown. And he keeps he keeps putting out there. Um, there's another guy on this club who came here in a comparable situation. And I watch his face over those last same games on the ice. And quite frankly, there's a question of of the level of, of effort being put out there, yet the skill set is, is tremendous. Um, but those are guys that I think of. And, you know, Ashton Sautner, I guess when you define what a defenseman's role may be, Sautner may be better all around. He may not have the points uh, that Brogan Rafferty does, but at the back end of it, he's much more reliable than Rafferty, who is still learning the AHL level of game. And I think those are the kind of guys that you really got to give credit to. Might be the thing preventing Brogan from getting a look-see already. Oh, I think unquestionably. Because the point production offensively, everything is all there. It is Utica Comets Insider serving you sports here at the 72 Tavern and Grill with 94.9 K-Rock. Special teams is something that Ben wrote about, actually, and part of the reason that they lost on Saturday night, but it's been a little bit of an issue. Let me just give you the numbers as it stands right now. They're 17th in the league in the penalty kill. That has slowly, precipitously dropped farther and farther to the middle of the pack. They're 81.9%, 37 out of 204 for the season. Power plays 7th in the league. Still pretty good, 21.2%, 40 out of 189. You wrote an article about this. Of course, it was on the Observer Dispatch website and whatnot. Ben, uh, a little bit more on that, what you observed. Well, that was from the the last Saturday against Belleville. You yes. give up a, a shorthanded goal on a turnover, uh, you know, in, in the zone, and they go the other way and they score, and then they score on a five-on-three, you know, power play. I, it's a team against, like Belleville that is very skilled, very talented, and you give those guys even a little bit, and they'll take advantage of what they can, and cash in on those opportunities. Uh, kind of happened a little bit um, Friday, too, in, in the game here. So, uh, you know, it, it, you got to be sharp, and I don't know if Utica was as sharp as they have been in the past. Uh, you know, you get a few miscues here and there and, you know, hit a couple of walls and then things go the other way, and they find themselves on the end of, you know, four straight losses and some tough uh, results with, you know, power play and penalty kill against Belleville. You know, you've got bad line changes You've got uh, a Michael Carconi goal, and he's r- right out of the box. You've got Nikolai Goldobin uh, with a wide-open net. He shoots wide. The penalty kill is not performing as it has performed. You know, you have this confluence of things that really spell out the fact that the, the Comets are not playing as well as they have maybe a month ago or uh, at various points in the season. And it's a tough spell. And I think if I'm going to look at a positive out of this weekend, it's that it's a good experience to play a team like Belleville with Drake Batherson, with Rudolph Balsers, who adds a lot of firepower to their lineup. Earlier in the season, we didn't have to deal with those guys when we played Belleville. But it's good to play them with their full complement of weapons 
just so they know that you, you can't have a, a bad line change. You know, you, you can't have defensive lapses because these guys are so good. If they see the, the slightest opportunity, the slightest window of that, they're going to make you pay for it. And they did, and they, that's what happened over the weekend. You look at those four games, we scored two, we scored three, we scored two. They're getting four and five, our opponents. You know, and I don't know how much of that I want to blame on the goaltending. I, want, I, I tend to think it's the defensive lapses, which is a recurring theme throughout the season. Yeah, so you, you know, four unanswered, five yeah. unanswered. You know, we might have had a couple of weak, soft goals in there. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to deny that, but... The defensive lapses, we've got to tighten those down, especially as we get to playoff time. Seven and 11, too. Wasn't that seven games in 11 yes, days' time? something like that. But, you know, if, no consolation but a little sav on that. If When you look at it, we talked a week ago today about the unusual situation with regard to the afternoon game in Syracuse. And to me, that's always a tough thing. And, you know, maybe the older I get, the harder it is to recover out of a routine. <laughs> but that's a, I, I think... You, it's hard to overlook that. Binghamton, you know what? The Devils have the best record over the last 10 games in the AHL right now. So they're a hot hockey team. And then Belleville, when you look at Belleville on paper and you look at Utica on paper, the similarities are stunning. They have two 20-goal scorers. They have about three guys in, in double digits in goals. Um, their their goaltending is about on par statistically. So what the heck was the difference? Belleville was in fourth gear. We were in third and never got out of third gear. And Belleville got a point in every game over the course of that 16-day road trip they yeah. went on. So, you know, that I think is the biggest the biggest difference over those, those particularly these last four where you go 0 for 4. Um, it, it's not that they're – we know darn well that it's, it's not a question of capability. Uh, and a- injuries are starting to bang up. You know what? Banging up other clubs too. Uh, but it's just the necessity of getting to fourth gear early in, in the first period and then staying there until we announce the three stars of the game. Yeah. It's, it's, it's finding a full 60 minutes, I feel like. I, I, I feel like there haven't been a lot of those um, yeah. recently. Happens in the second I, period I a lot, like, too. I feel like they're you know, 50-minute kind of there, but maybe not a full. How many times do we get out to a lead and blow the lead? You know, we won a game against Hartford when we gave up five unanswered goals in overtime, thankfully. But we've seen four unanswered goals. We've seen five unanswered goals. And how often can you come back from that? That's not a position you want to put yourself in. Serving you sports at the 72 Tavern and Grill. It's a Bogle wing night on Mondays when we're here, of course. Utica Comets Insider with 94.9 K-Rock. Been hearing from Tom Coyne, Ben Brunell from Observer Dispatch, Rain and Scoop. On the way, no Joe Roberts tonight. He's enjoying his brand-new baby daughter, but we'll look forward to talking to Chris Faber with Canucks Army. About 7.45, Corey Hergott with Canucks Army will also join us. Three stars in the building. I'm going to ask him about this a little bit later. For the Comets, we're Ashton Sautner, Brogan Rafferty, and Josh Tevis on Saturday night. It's nice to see him in there, but it's funny that the usual suspects on the defensive end were, were noted by Corey Ashton for doing what he does, Brogan for doing what he does, but everybody else has got to step up. And it's is it who were you referring to a little bit earlier that maybe is not at full effort? 
You, if you don't want to name all the names, who, who's a well, few the, guys? The name actually came out, but not out of my mouth. Because those aren't. But too... Goldie is is the guy. Yeah, that's you know? that's what He's, I was thinking. This is a kid with all the skill set. Uh, maybe some of the best hands. He 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 can he can move when he wants to move. But there's just. You know, look, when you're out there on the ice and, and you're and you're moving, it doesn't always bounce your ways at times. Um, but the, it's kind of like, and, and I have this wonderful opportunity in sitting literally right on the red stripe uh, up against the glass and, and seeing these faces and watching this effort. And it, sometimes it's like, ah, all right, uh, that didn't work. Because I don't okay. see that with Ashton, and I don't see that. No. Uh, Gadovich is Rogan. Gadovich is an intense kid. Maybe not the same skill set, but he's a, he's pumping every shift. Um, uh, uh, you see it out there with Sautner. He's pumping every shift. Um, Chatfield is pumping every shift. And 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 as much as I love him, and I th- and I and honestly, he's one of the top five guys at skill set out there on the ice. I just don't see that with seventy seven. But you you have when when you have that one not weak link, but that. A couple of guys like that, you see what it can do to the whole team and, and can affect things for maybe that 10 minutes you're not getting the 60-minute effort. Well, Tom isn't saying anything that wasn't said about Goldie at the NHL level. Interesting, huh? Um, you know, and, and he's there and he sees it. You know, Goldobin, an immensely talented member of this team, but I do think maybe gets down gets maybe a little frustrated, crestfallen, if you will, at the fact that he's not up top, you know, and sometimes uh, maybe shows more motivation to get up, back up there than, than other times. Uh, I think everybody shoots wide. Everybody uh, makes a mistake in the, in the fire of the moment. But you add all those things together with bad line changes, you know, you wind up, in a bad place, which is a four-game losing streak. We're going to talk about a couple transactions, a notable former Comet who hit a milestone, and obviously much more as we're just about at the halfway point of the season here on the All-Star Edition, the AHL All-Star Edition of Utica Comets Insider. Be right back with 94.9 K-Rock. Let's go, Comets! Let's saucer pass back to Rayman and Scoop on Comets Insider. You take Live from the 72 Tavern and Grill on 94.9 K-Rock. And we will have this program podcasted after we leave the air. Of course, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Our social media at K-Rock CNY on Twitter and Facebook. You'll be able to find it there. You know, I read an interesting article which is about the NHL, but I couldn't help but think that perhaps the trend that was discussed also applies to the AHL. There have already been five four-goal comeback wins this season, the most in NHL history. And 18 three-goal comebacks are the most through the same number of games in 30 years. So one of the things that I've always said, that's always been said in hockey, is that the two-goal lead is the least safe lead in sports in, in hockey. And now it, it's even a four-goal lead or Why a three-goal lead. Is? Uh, I think there's a change in the rules to some extent that favor offense. I also think you're getting obstruction called a lot more. Uh, I, I think that's 
uh, directly correlates to that. And I think, you know, we, we see the, the Vancouver Canucks having a similar fate as our Utica Comets in many ways. And so I think in many ways, the, perhaps this trend applies to what we're seeing with our Comets, I, get, getting out to a three-goal lead and a four-goal lead and then having to hang on for dear life or losing. Ben, what do you think it is? I think they hit these lulls sometimes. Um, th- this team hits the lull and gives up a mistake here, gives up a miscue there, and teams are pouncing on it, and that's why they're giving up leads this year. Are you ready for mine? It snowballs I, on that. It snowballs. It, it is, it's my mandatory, anytime I'm on your show, opportunity to inf- in- inject the team Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes. <laughs> it is, it, it, they are a prime example of this, in which I think, and it's part of what you talked about, the rule changes, which somebody, the people overlook, uh, but there is also a defensive philosophy, and no one has embraced that more than Dubas, which is we're going to be racehorses. We're not going to be the old-style Ian Anderson prototype defenseman who planks his big body in front of the net and just cleans out anybody and it's going to get even worse because they're talking now about stricter enforcement of the cross check which is the defenseman's main tool when he's got somebody parked in front he's knocking guys out of the front of the net exactly absolutely. how many times do you see a guy like McEwen or or uh bailey lately getting just hacked on the lower back they must have like a, their own ibuprofen stand uh, just to take care of those injuries but the fact of the matter is is that we no longer think of defense, and it's only going to get more, uh, more so. It's still in, the, in a, an evolutionary process. But defense in the NHL and in the AHL is no longer a defensive game. They are the, 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 the uh, fifth man, fourth and fifth man on the attack. They're all. They're looking for a quick outlet pass. They're pitching up. Their stay-at-home defenseman is not they're, the stay-at-home they're defenseman. Parking, the only blue line they're parking at is in the attack zone. And they're not dropping back. And so you're getting it. Take a look at what happened in the game against Belleville. A couple of times they sprung loose. Why? You'll watch it tonight when the Leafs play Nashville. They'll, they're always looking for the, for the uh, breakaway. And it's going to bite you. So you're going to get four goals. You're going to six to five, seven to five. That's going to be the norm. For hockey now, I, I think, don't know if you're going to like the it. Comets do the breakout too, though. When they're on, no, they their do. Game, they do. They have that in, with them too. Uh, it's just getting it to be more clean. There have been a lot of passes I feel like lately that have just kind of missed their mark, and otherwise they would have kind of been sprung for a, a possible goal. So as a direct I, result, oh, go ahead. I understand what he's saying with that. Uh, I, I've seen the Comets do it too, so I, I see what he's saying, um, and I think they've got that part of their game to clean up too remember last year when you talked about there was a point in time where i believe the comets put five forwards out there yes i do out on the ice and i think that is the same thing that tom is talking about it's like you would have never even considered that 40 years ago there are teams now on a power play will put out uh four forwards and one defenseman and all that defenseman doing is doing is steering the puck from side to side at the blue line. They had, particularly to what you're talking about, I remember. I don't remember what player we had here that week, but Reed Boucher was the point person on the power play, and it was five forwards. And we were like, whoa, it's not a wrinkle you see very often from the comments. But the result of that as well with the evolution of the way defense is played in the AHL and the NHL now is you're seeing goalies that are hung out to dry. Oh, yeah. 
there's a lot of times, more often than not, how often do you see, you'll see some soft goals. Zane did give one up the other day. But you'll, you'll also see, like, you watch it and you go, there is no goalie on the planet that could have saved that shot because of the setup and because of the numbers. Just it being not in the Comets' favor it's, on the back line. Just, there's too much space on the ice for these guys, and they're too skilled nowadays to create. So if the defense isn't getting back, the goalie's just, he's got nothing. He's, they're at his mercy. It's he's a, fundamental, mercy. a fundamental philosophical shift in the game. Very much so. And th- that's what we're seeing, and that's why we're seeing these leads disappear. Because also momentum, a huge part of the game. And a team gets a goal, suddenly they're hot. Suddenly they're on fire. And then two goals, it's, oh, crap. Three goals, the team's sitting there on the bench. They're all going, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And they're young. And this philosophy started really eight years ago uh, with a change at the NHL level, went all the way down to USA Youth Hockey, where they began to – and the, the hallmark was it when they said, okay, this is what an interference call is going to be, and they became rigidly uh, enforcing it. If you just stepped in front of a guy, obstructed, they got away from the. We used to get this as a as a uh, a penalty signal. It was an O with the referee putting two hands together to form an, the letter O. Obstruction. It's not, it's not in the book anymore. They refined it. We're in it still in the evolutionary process of it. This thing hasn't wrung itself out yet. We don't know where the heck they're going to end up with defense. It, it, it may be we may end up with 10-9 games, for God's sake. <laughs> Who knows? It'll be. And I'll tell you, goaltenders, it, you're better off just putting out a couple of tackling dummies out there because those guys, are, they will have no hair on their heads anymore. <laughs> they will be drooling worse than they do now. It'll be, it'll be insane. This is Utica Comets Insider. We're at the 72 Tavern and Grill with 94.9 Carrick. Once again, if you're just joining us, Ben Brunell from the Observer Dispatch is here. Tom Coyne is here. He is the voice of the Adirondack Bank Center for many, many years. If you want to listen to last week's podcast, by the way, you told us the story about your very first game and took us back on a nice little journey through your career in doing this, your sidekick, I suppose. But really an interesting listen, because your voice is synonymous with this building, at least in my humble opinion. Thank you. Some transactions of note. Matt Patgrave sent back down to the Brampton Beast. Dylan Sadaway has been called up. I'm wondering if that's a result of the Reed Boucher injury, but David Pope was sent back to Kalamazoo. We're going to start with Ben. My caveat with, with the Sadaway thing is uh, I'm never sure how much to trust those online transactions. Yeah, it's there. It's It's something to point out, but... I'm wondering, just with the timing, it, it seems very odd considering they don't play again until Friday. Yeah. They're on an all-star break. Usually these things, when you send someone down, you call someone up, they get announced at the same time. So that's that's my caveat with that. And this was I, on the ECHL transactions list, so yeah. it's not been officially announced yes, by the it, Comets yet. Yeah. Is it so he gets here in time, a couple days, he can practice in case we're not sure of the status of how Bush is going to feel? They're not practicing until right. later in the week. So is he, uh, maybe to travel here, get here, get situated in a room, who knows, something like that. I mean, I guess that's possible. I'm just curious not a, about the timing. So. He's not at an all-star break, I wonder. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's, it's one of those things that it's it's interesting. Cal O'Reilly, another former comet that I wanted to bring up, hit a milestone as soon as I 
passed along the information to Tom Coyne. He went, ah, Captain Cal. Captain Cal. Hell of a quarterback on the power play. He had a, a good run. He was so instrumental. He was, I mean, could they have gone to the Calder Cup without him? Oh, no. You know I what I'm saying? So. He was essential. Yeah. Yeah, he was Cal, uh, Cal O'Reilly. First of all, the accomplishment is his 600th regular season point uh, in the AHL. The 47th player in the his, long history. How many guys have you know suited up in the A, and he's just the 47th to to reach that milestone, 600 points. Captain Cal is the kind of guy that you would lose track of on the ice. He's not flashy. He's not. Uh, he doesn't skate with with a flag behind him, so you know where he's at. Um, you don't go out there really looking to see where the heck is O'Reilly at. But all of a sudden, he's on the puck. And he gets that puck to somebody else's stick, and that person is in a good place and buries it. And that's what he did the season that they they went to the finals. And that's pretty well what he's done. He's not a great goal scorer. No, Um, but he assisted on everybody's Very much a playmaker. Very much a playmaker. And the kind of guy that really um, keeps the savvy of, of who's where, what is what, and the flow of the game. And he can make something happen. And Cal O'Reilly is is a benefit, even at, at his, you know, in the AHL, thirty three is is an old man, uh, but you know, up there, you know, here rather, uh, he's still a valuable asset to every. And any time, every club he's gotten to, he's got a letter on his chest. Yeah. Whether it's a C or an A, that's a testimony to the kind of guy he is. He yeah. had a goal and an assist in that game where he reached six hundred. Yeah. If I say the name Ole Ulevi. What's the first thing you think about as it stands right now? And I think the answer to that question would have changed at different points in the season. But where he is right now, Tom? Getting closer to his potential. Improvement. Gaining confidence. Yeah, I think he's playing the best, and he's probably the healthiest he's been in a long time. He's going to get his looks up in Vancouver. That's all you hear about. He's one of those key prospects when you hear the Vancouver perspective. We're going to get that next with Chris Faber from Canucks Army. And then, of course, Corey Hergat will join us at 745. Serving you sports in the 72 Tavern and Grill for Utica Comments Insider. This is 94.9 K-Rock. These guys have been known to chirp at the refs. Here's Rain Man and Scoop on Comets Insider. So we're, uh, we're attempting to connect with Chris Faber from Canucks Army. He will join us on the air here on Utica Comets Insider at the 72 Tavern and Grill with 94.9 K-Rock. If that does happen. I want to bring up something that Scoop and I discussed, as uh, many of you may know, or if you don't, we host, we co-host Utica Comets pregame. So before every game, 30 minutes on special occasions, an hour before opening face-off, we break down the last game, give you some previews and all of that. Well, you had said, John Stevens, and I asked you this question on pregame, so keep an eye on John Stevens. He had a tough time breaking through. He was, I think it was his eighth game when he finally did. The goal and an assist. So keep an eye on that guy. And I want you to tell everybody again what you had seen. Because it was a great observation. And now we discussed this too, that maybe he's going to settle in because the center position is something that's been a concern on this team all year for various reasons. It seems like whatever line they've put him on, they've been able to cause problems for the opposing team. And I just thought it, it, it similar to... The way I felt about Justin Bailey early in the season, I just thought that he was bound to break through at some point or another. If you remember, Justin Bailey just seemed kind of snake bit, you know, would race all the way down the ice and then fire wide or fire off net. And uh, but, but 
John Stevens and his line mates have been difficult to handle for the the opposition. So he's somebody to watch, and I'm glad to see Josh Tevis out there because he's another guy I think we should watch going forward because I think he's really starting to get his wheels under him, and he's starting to come into his own, and he's somebody we're going to need to have produce to make any kind of run here going forward. Going to welcome Chris Faber from Canucks Army on the air officially with us. Tom Coyne is here, Chris. Ben Burnell from the Observer Dispatch. I'm sure you follow along with his work, Rain and Scoop as well. Uh, I want to start and ask about Ole Ulevi. We left our last segment, take a quick break to come into this segment, and we had all kind of gone around the table and we were discussing him. And the answer to what's the first thing you think of if I bring up the name Ole Ulevi as far as what he's done this year with the Comets would change at different points in the season. But as of right now, especially in the last handful of games, he's been playing really well. He's starting to get healthy, and perhaps uh, another suggestion was he's reaching his potential. He's had a couple of moments. Right. He's had a couple of moments mm-hmm. which are not what the Canucks or Travis Green would like up at that level. That said, he's showing improvement. He looks healthier. Chris, what are you seeing out of Ole Ulevi from the Vancouver perspective? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, when you want to steady the fence when he was playing in your bottom pairing at the NHL level, you're kind of hoping that he stays at like a warm temperature. But it seems like Ulevi's either running hot or he's running cold. And, uh, you know, it's a combination of those giveaways that we see in the defensive zone. But at the same time, like when he's making these breakout passes and some of the stuff that he was doing on the first power play, you know, when Brogan Rafferty was out, was pretty incredible. I mean, a lot of defensemen can be put into that spot. When you have Nikolai Goldobin on your left and Reed Boucher on your right, you're going to have success in the AHL on your power play. But, I mean, he was able to excel. And I think a lot of Canucks fans were hoping that he was going to be the top four defenseman. Even after a couple of injuries, it was like, uh, he's still going to be a quiet top four guy. But what we're looking at now is, you know, is he even going to make an NHL team? I know a lot of people are questioning the injuries are going to limit him, and, and obviously they are going to limit him to a certain extent. But you need to keep seeing that success that we're seeing early on at parts of this year in the AHL. That said, what about Brogan Rafferty at the NHL level? Obviously there are some defensive mm-hmm. things with his game that Travis Green would like to see improvements with. However, you can't turn your nose up at that scoring. <laughs> You're right, you can't. But Derek Pouliot, I believe, was up at the top, and he was the guy that uh, everyone was screaming to get out of Vancouver last, the last couple of seasons. Uh, but the, the other thing, though, is, I mean, a lot of people say, like, is he just going to be an AHL guy? But he's been able to come in in his rookie season and do this at the AHL level. It's a huge jump to go from NCAA hockey to professional hockey, and we've seen him have a lot of success. But the interesting thing is, you know, this Canucks team is in a spot where they are going all out for the playoffs right now. And, and you don't really want to give a young guy a shot when you're pushing so hard for the playoffs. So when you have a Jordy Ben and you have an Oscar Fantenberg who was brought in, both of those guys actually brought in in the offseason to help sure up this bottom pairing and, you know, be the seventh defenseman on your NHL team. Like any other season aside from this year, we would be craving to see Brogan Rafferty. And when he's on these hot streaks, you hear Vancouver just – buzzing about when are we going to get to see Rafferty but I, I don't know like I don't know if he's going to be able to even play himself into a role no matter how impressive the stats are in the AHL uh Corey Tom Coyne here I, I don't Chris. know if you are uh, Chris rather I'm sorry I apologize <laughs> no worries. Uh, and, and to me. Corey and to Corey as well um yeah I don't know if you had caught earlier our conversation with respect to the evolution of of defense in the NHL and it obviously mm. then also at the AHL level and I, I can't help but wonder of all of the, the, the positions on the ice 
the one that needs the most seasoning is goaltending. The second most is that goaltender's buddy uh, and the backside, the, the defenseman. And I can't help but wonder if Ulevi doesn't benefit from maybe another season, just have a little patience. He could be, once we figure out just what the heck a defenseman in the NHL is going to look like, he could be still a top four because he's, he's not the biggest, most physical guy. All he has to do is clog a passing lane. All he has to do is intercept the pass and and spring the breakout because they can't score if you've got the go, the the puck down in their end. Um, and he may still be a, a prime candidate for what the prototype of a defenseman in the NHL may end up looking like. And his willingness to block shots is something I've noticed too. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, no, that's huge with the blocking shots there. But you bring up a good point because I mean. We're looking at this game change so much over the past couple of years. And if you look at what you need out of a defenseman right now, you need him to be able to skate and you need him to be able to be smart. And that's something only a levy, you know, has half of that. He's a very smart guy. I don't know if the skating has, you know, impressed so many people as much as we were hoping after we drafted him fifth overall. But I've noticed just lately, I mean, if, if you watch him when he's coming in, when he's defending on the left side and he's got a guy coming down that wing, it, it almost worries me a little bit seeing what he's pushing off with that right leg in certain situations. And I know it's not something that we're seeing him like give way or anything, but that's a spot where he's going to have to be great at the NHL level. He's going to have a lot of guys coming down the wing on him on his left side when he's playing D. And that's, that's the biggest thing I think right now that we need to see out of him. Like, yeah, he has the smarts. He can make some of these amazing breakout passes. And that's something that, you know, even when I tweet out the gifts of it, like people just absolutely love seeing that. But then when I tweet out a gift of him giving away a puck in front of the net, you know, that only gets one or two likes because everyone loves seeing the positives, but maybe people aren't really seeing the negatives. But you guys get to watch him a ton, and you know that, uh, you know, it's all, not all great with him in this spot. Even though he's like 21 years old, like he's got, or 22, I guess, years old, he's got a lot of time to grow. And I think the spot where he's at right now in the AHL is great because he's given the opportunity to play these top four minutes, whether he's top pairing or if Brogan Rafferty's up there with him. Like, there's a lot of opportunity for him to grow, and he kind of needs to over these next couple of years. So I, I don't really have a problem with him, you know, working out some more kinks for another year in the AHL because, like you mentioned, defensemen, they take a long time to develop. Chris, we've kind of talked about the defensemen here. Uh, what do you think they need to do overall to kind of shore up uh, maybe the, the struggles they've had defensively? Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they are moving the puck up ice very well. I, I do enjoy that. I think that, you know, watching this team, especially, uh, you know, Sautner's been incredible at it all season long. I think he's a guy that's kind of underrated. The Vancouver Canucks fans aren't really talking about him much, even though everyone's talking about Nikita Triampian. Like, I, I just had this argument on my podcast. I would say that Ashton Sautner might be more valuable to the Canucks than a guy like Nikita Triampian is over in the KHL. Uh, Brogan Rafferty has been great at moving the puck up ice, and that's why I think you're seeing this Comets team be such a high-scoring team. It's you know, they're getting the puck out of their zone real quick when they have an open area to get it out. But their problem is kind of when teams are actually forechecking them hard and pressure them, it seems like they just they almost like cave a little bit under pressure when there's a hard forecheck on them. And that might be the thing that's limiting these defense. And, you know, it, it might come down to somewhat coaching as well. Like maybe the, the coach needs to work on maybe having different breakouts that'll make it easier for some of these defensemen because we see the skill. When they're given, you know, enough ice time and enough space on the ice, I mean, like, they can get the puck out and they can break into these, you know, three-on-twos and two-on-ones so often with great out- outlet passes. But uh, I don't know. There's something that needs to work on with the defense because when they are overpressured, they do give up the puck a lot in the defensive zone. And we see some tough goals go in on McIntyre and DiPietro over the past couple of weeks. Comments Insider, live from the 72 Tavern and Grill on 94.9 K-Rock with Rain Scoop, Tom Coyne, your voice of the Comets in the Adirondack Bank Center, and Ben Burnell of the Observer Dispatch. And Chris Faber of CanucksArmy.com. Now, Chris, 
Which Utica Comet do you think is most likely to next earn a call up to the Canucks? Or do you just don't see that happening anytime soon because of this playoff push that the Canucks are having? Man, when uh, when Josh Levo went down with an injury for the Vancouver Canucks, it opened up a spot for a guy to come play on the second line with Bo Horvat, and he was going to get to play on the right side on the power play. Uh, I was I was screaming for Reed Boucher at that point, and that didn't happen. Uh, we saw McEwen come up and get another opportunity. I think if the Canucks need a guy to come in to an injury situation, whether it's a guy in the bottom, I mean on the fourth line or the third line, I think McEwen's that guy who gets called up and gets used in that spot. But the interesting thing would be a top six injury because if it's going to be on that first line, if it's somebody on Pedersen's line, I could see Nikolai Goldobin being that guy. If it's a guy on Bo Horvat's line, it's an option to be Justin Bailey or possibly Sven Berchi. But if I had to pick one guy um, to be called up next when an injury does happen or if, you know, the team starts slumping, I, I'm pretty much almost 100% certain it's going to be Justin Bailey. Uh, Jim Benning was just down there like you guys talked about. He saw the hat trick. He's He's recently done an interview with The Athletic. He was talking to Harmon Dial and Thomas Drantz, a couple of writers up here. Um, and he mentioned that he was very impressed watching what Justin Bailey was able to do down there. He loves his speed. Uh, Travis Green was given an opportunity to see a lot of Justin Bailey when he was coaching in the AHL. And that's kind of the reason that I heard why Justin Bailey ended up signing here in the offseason, because he knew Travis Green. He's a guy that's coached him in the past. And they were, they were kind of excited that he was going to be an option to be called up. And now that he's having all this success, yeah, I would bet on Justin Bailey being that guy. Yeah, that's the one I would lean to the most. Hashtag free Goldie, huh, Chris Faber? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me just say, if it's a first-line guy, it's free Goldie all the way, man. I'd love to see him up here. I laugh every time I see that. Uh, yes or no question, <laughs> do you like the player tracker in the All-Star festivities? The only thing I really liked about it was when they showed that clip of every single player tracker on the ice. I think they were coming back from a break, and it was hilarious. It was like if you guys ever played uh, the Nintendo Wii and you have, like, those Wii accounts with your, your little personal characters and it has the name on top, when they had, like, 40 of those out on the ice, that was hilarious. But all that other stuff, man, like, let's just get back to playoff hockey. You know, let the guys be more physical. Let them be a little bit dirtier at playoff hockey. I don't need all this technology stuff. All right. Well, we got to ask Corey up next. Uh, Corey Hergott from Canucks Army is going to join us next. Thanks so much to Chris Faber for the time tonight. Got to talk about Elias Patterson, 102 miles an hour in the hardest shot. Uh, Marky, Jacob Markstrom, we're familiar with him down Mm -hmm. here in Utica. Quinn Hughes, who's lightning fast. All that and much more next. Utica Comets Insider from the 72 Tavern and Grill with 94.9 K-Rock. Back to Rayman and Scoop on Comets Insider. Live from the 72 Tavern and Grill on 94.9 K-Rock. And we all want our Comets to get back in the W column when they face the last team they beat on a, a Friday night, the, those Cleveland Monsters. And we are live from the 72 Tavern and Grill here, and uh, it's Bogo Wing Night. They got lots of sports on all the TVs here. And uh, if you missed Chris Faber of Canucks Army on the broadcast, we're going to have that podcasted for you later. Just go to at KROCKCNY on Twitter or Facebook. You'll find the links. And you'll find uh, the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, what have you. Uh, another Canucks Army guest joining us right now on the phone in Corey Hergott. Welcome, Corey. Thanks for having me again, guys. Ready to talk some comments? Corey, uh, your thoughts about 
the defensive lapses that we're seeing on this team. They come up against a really good squad in Belleville. And some of these lapses, which we've seen over the course of the season, they have not been able to tighten up. And a team like Belleville, especially when they have Drake Batherson and Rudolph Balsers, fresh off uh, a stint with the Ottawa Senators, wanting to prove that they should probably be back up there, a full complement of players uh, for the Belleville Senators, they're going to seize those opportunities and make teams like the Comets play uh, pay when they uh, have defensive lapses. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they played the, the last couple of games here against Belleville. Uh, that's a very good team. They play a fast game with a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, it's something that I wrote about coming into this season that, uh, you know, we figured that the Comets would probably score a lot of goals and a lot of that would come from having such a mobile back end uh, players who can transition the puck uh, really well to, to get out of their own end. Uh, but I also said that we'd have to be patient on the defensive side of things because, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fast mobile blue line in Utica, but it's also a fairly green blue line. Rafferty's in his first year. Uh, this is really Ewell Levy's first year. He's, he's a rookie. Uh, you know, Chatfield and Breezebois have been around for this is their third seasons now. But they're just really coming into their own and, and uh, you know, settling into this league. Uh, you know, Ashton Sautner's kind of the graybeard, and he's, he's, what, 25 years old. He's been around, I think this is his fifth year now with the organization. But, you know, it's, it's still a fairly young group back there and, and guys uh, learning new roles. So on the defensive side of things, I kind of expected to, to see some, some errors and some mistakes as, as guys learn the, uh, the pro game. Um, and that's kind of what's bearing out this year. Well, jumping off from that, Corey, when you're on the power play and then you wind up giving up an AHL leading 11 shorthanded goals, uh, that's also a, a huge concern. Yeah, 100% there. And, and uh, I just finished uh, writing a piece about Ole Levy today and about how we need to be patient uh, with what's going on with him and, and the, the piece kind of focuses on you know one of those errors that we see from Ole fairly regularly this year and, and that's getting burned on the power play for you know a shorthanded goal or at least a shorthanded opportunity against and uh, for for me the, uh, when I wrote the article from from viewing Ole this year I, I see a guy who's got the hockey sense to, to make the right play but I'm seeing a guy who hasn't got the strength to uh, in in his body to to make that play, and he's still trying to kind of work his way around learning how to uh, adapt to that until his body is back to 100. Uh, percent I tweeted out a quote from the article. I'm probably going to butcher it here, but it, it's basically there's there's uh, coming back is they're being ready to play and come back is one thing, but being ready to play and, and come back and perform is another and uh, it, that it takes time. And, uh, you know, Ole's had like a couple of pretty serious injuries. Uh, they, I know they call them minor surgeries that he's had, but when you've got back surgery and you've got knee surgery, uh, those are areas of your body that you need to be strong to be an elite skater. And uh, Ole is still trying to figure out how to play without that, uh, those areas of strength while his body is still um, coming back. So I think if we're patient, we're going to see, uh, you know, those, those kind of plays are going to stop coming from him as frequently. Uh, you know, he's not the only one. We've seen more than just him getting burned off of, off of that puck coming the other way. But uh, 
it is a part of the game that the Comets definitely need to tighten up, and I don't know if that's something they, they need to uh, adjust in their uh, – uh, you know their systems on the on the power play, or or if it's just something that the the players are just missing their assignments. It's Canucks Army's Corey Hergott with us here with ninety four point nine K Rock Comments Insider Live from the seventy two Tavern and Grill. You heard from Scoop Train here as well. Tom Coyne and Ben Brunell. got a couple more questions for you, Corey, before I let you go for the night. I want to give you a two parter on the All Star Game. Uh, a quick. Uh, Quick answer to what you saw out of Elias Pettersson with that 102-mile-an-hour slap shot, Markey and Quinn Hughes in the NHL All-Star Game, and, of course, what you're looking forward to tonight. I'm sure you're going to watch Brogan represent the Comets with Bush being out uh, as they play in the, the home of the Ontario Reign tonight, 10. Well, I mean, when it comes to Elias Pettersson, nothing really surprises me anymore. Uh, you know, the guy's got an immense... Uh, skill set and he can back it up with an incredible work ethic and and when you can do that uh when you work on the on the you know we hear it all the time from coaches guys have to work on the little parts of their game it's the little things the the little things and uh one of those little things for Elias Pettersson was getting more heat on his shot and you know breaking 102 miles an hour he he uh skated away from that and raised his eyebrows and uh you know good on him he's uh he's a guy that put in a lot of work to get that shot to where it is uh, when it comes to Quinn Hughes and his uh, speed and his skating, um, he's as effortless, effortless as they get out there. He's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch for a lot of years in Vancouver, hopefully. Uh, I know that's one, uh, speaking with Brogan Rafferty at development camp this year, that was the area of his game that he really wanted to improve on. Uh, you know, he, he pointed out Quinn Hughes and said that guy skates incredibly and if i can get anywhere close to where he is i'll be a pretty happy guy so uh you know that's a, an area that other people other players envy when they see the kind of speed and uh you know skill level that quinn hughes can skate with and uh, as for marky i'm just thr- thrilled for the guy that he's there uh you know he's put in a lot of work over the years uh, for the longest time he was the best goalie outside of north america and then he was the best goalie outside of uh, the nhl and you know, now he's in the NHL for a few years, and he's getting the coaching he needs, and and he's putting in the work. And you know, good on him. He's uh, he's an all star. Corey, what are you looking forward for, uh, from Brogan Rafferty tonight? Uh, obviously, last night he had a, a pretty good shot there in the hardest shot event. Uh, had a little bit of a tumble during one of the other events, but overall, what are you kind of looking for him tonight? Oh, I'd love to see him uh, score a highlight real goal, but uh, for me, the biggest thing for Brogan is I just want to see the guy having fun. Uh, this is his weekend to enjoy himself. He's, you know, he's earned it. He's had an, an incredible season this year in Utica. I was a little bit concerned that he might not be able to make the All Star game, uh, you know, after missing some games with injury. So I'm thrilled that he's able to get there, even though uh, Bush didn't get to to make the trip as well with him, but. Uh, yeah, you know, he's going to get to play with some pretty skilled players in the All-Star game, and uh, I have a feeling we'll probably see, uh, you know, some pretty nice plays coming off a broken stick today. I just wanted to close out with uh, with you, uh, Corey, that, uh, you know, we've had an opportunity here in Utica to, have, uh, to host two AHL All-Star games, and I think one of the things that's most impressive is when you get into that locker room with those players is the camaraderie of all of them kind of saying, you know, we're all on the same page. This is pretty impressive. Thanks for uh, letting me in. Uh, I'm happy to be here. And for a guy like Brogan Rafferty coming in as a rookie, you know, Bush has been there. Um, for a guy like Brogan Rafferty to be able to experience that, I can't help but think that that's going to be a big confidence boost for him for the remainder of this season. 
Yeah, and no, I agree with that. And I think it's like I said earlier, it, he earned his uh, his right to be there with the way he's played this year. And and something that I've mentioned about uh, Brogan uh, this season is, you know, as a guy coming out of college, he's not used to playing a, as heavy a schedule. He's not used to playing seventy six games. So maybe this little shot in the arm of the All Star break, uh, you know, will help him a little bit of boost of confidence, a little more pep in his step, and help him make it through the second half as strongly as he's been in the first half. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, guys. Thank you to Corey Hergott. Thank you to Chris Faber. Thank you to Joe Roberts for becoming a father. Uh, Thank you to the All-Star break. I'm Rain. Uh, We're going to get out of here for the night. We'll do it again next Monday at 7 o'clock from the 72 Tavern and Grill. Utica Comets Insider will include a player next week once they're done with the All-Star break. And the last word on 94.9 K-Rock always comes from Scoop. Go Comets!